Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of How to Live the Podcast, where we have real, meaningful, and fun conversations with people who inspire us. And sometimes we just have them with each other. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon, and we are gearing up for a very, very exciting week because we are doing a launch of our new collection of tubes, our shoe babies. Oh my goodness. I can't believe the time is finally here. We're launching on tubes.com this Friday, the 30th of October. Usually we try to launch this spring summer collection around August, September. So just so you guys know, we are running very, very late, but there was a pandemic this year. So I can use that as an excuse. Whereas normally I'm just like, eh, sorry guys, I ran late again. It's the perfect excuse for anything really. This year you can be like, oh, sorry, I'm late for lunch. We're in a pandemic. Yeah. Or like, sorry, I can't be bothered. I'm in a pandemic. Exactly. Sorry, I didn't get out of bed today. Sorry, I did absolutely nothing. We're in a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. But (laughs) lucky for you guys, we did get out of bed today and we're here in your ears and we're going to give you a really good episode to listen to. Just for the record, I'm technically in bed right now, but I did get out and then I got back in to record this episode. So as we've talked about here on the podcast, we are pivoting tubes towards sustainability. So previously, we have been a vegan footwear label and we stepped back at the beginning of 2020 and sustainability has been something that has been on our radar for a long time, but we just felt like, you know what? this isn't good enough. We actually want to put our money where our mouth is, or in this case, our shoes, where our feet are, whatever you want to say, (laughs) and actually make this label sustainable as well as vegan. So we have so much to talk to you about. Do stick around to the end of the episode to find out what we are going to be chatting about next week. And let's get into today's episode. So we have been very, very busy this year working to put together a sustainable collection for this summer. And usually I think when a brand decides that they're going to pivot towards sustainability, it might take a few years. But if you did listen to our last episode on this, creating a sustainable label, you will know that we just felt like we couldn't go on creating shoes the way that we were, despite them being very beautiful and animal friendly. We really, really felt that having them made from sustainable materials was an important element to us. So we have redone this collection that is launching this week and our uppers, which is the straps, are made from recycled materials that would have ended up in landfill otherwise. So we are super, super proud of this. We have a whole lot more coming in the works for next year, but this is phase one for us and we are really, really excited to be launching it. And it feels really nice to feel so good about products that we are selling to people. I completely agree with you. You know, Steph and I have been quite open about the fact that while our business has been growing over the last two years, particularly, and it's been really full of pride and excitement, there has always been, if I'm honest, this little sticky part inside of me that is like, oh, our orders are growing. Oh, more retailers are picking them up. Oh, okay, great. But also what does that mean for the environment? And there's always been this voice in my head and it's actually so 
lovely to not have that eating away at me this time to actually be like, you know what? We have put our heart and soul into this. We're putting the best possible footwear forward and we're going to continue to iterate and work on and figure out what the most sustainable option is. Because I think that's what's so crazy but exciting in the space is that every minute it's changing. And while this is something that we worked on over the last three months, already now there are new materials that we're being made aware of that we can now start to incorporate into our next season collection. So we're not perfect. We're not pertaining to be perfect, but I think we're committed to the work and it's always going to be a work in progress. That's what sustainability is. Totally. And we know there are so many people that listen to this podcast who have their own businesses, who are interested in starting their own businesses. So we just want to be really, really open about our journey, about how we're turning our label sustainable in the hopes that it's going to inspire other people to do the same, in the hopes that it's going to show you that it's not impossible. It's totally within reach. And we're really going to break it down for you and go step by step with how we're actually going about this. So Jess and I have different roles within Tubes. We are kind of, are we CEOs? Are we co-CEOs? I think so. I like to call myself a co-founder because I feel silly saying CEO. I'm like, I don't wear a suit. (laughs) Do I have to wear a suit? No, you don't have to wear a suit. We are co-founders and I head up the marketing and digital side of things and Jess heads up the design and development side of things. So we each have our own unique roles and we've each been playing our own parts in this relaunch. So we'd love to kind of chat you through what each of us have been going through in order to get ready for this launch. So we thought it would make sense to start on the design and development side, seeing as that is where it all begins. Yeah. And I guess I would say that the initial place to start would be education, right? Because we can't do anything without being educated ourselves. And so we are talking specific to fashion in this episode because that's what we know. But I think that it goes to every industry. You know, Elliot, my boyfriend works in the fire safety industry and I'm now like prodding him. Well, what do you do with fire hydrants at the end of their life and stuff like that? So it's pretty cool that this can be applied to I think any industry. So go out there and educate yourselves. If you don't know where to start, just start to Google what's going on in sustainability within the industry that you work in. You might like to do a few short courses. I've done a couple. I'm actually doing sustainability and business management at the moment with Cambridge University online, which sounds fancy, very fancy. And I'm learning a lot and I'm getting connected with some amazing people. So definitely encourage you guys to learn and be a sponge. Be a sponge, Bob Squarepants (laughs) or Bobina. Bobina. (laughs) So I think with sustainability, it's really easy to get bogged down. You know, it feels like this really big thing that you need to tackle. So the way that we went into it was, okay, let's break it down. So number one thing that we looked at was if we continue to produce shoes that are trend-based being that every season there's a new trend coming and every season you need to change what your trend is, is that sustainable? And I think that when we looked at that and when we asked ourselves, we thought, you know what, that's not really sustainable to try to sell something to someone and be like, this is cool, but it's only cool for the next three months. 
and then it's going to be obsolete. That doesn't feel like a sustainable mentality. So that was the first thing that we kind of identified and we were like, you know what, this is how we've been approaching our business thus far, but this doesn't feel like it's going to make sense as we continue on this journey. So we kind of let go of that. And I think that that's a really good thing to be aware of, even as a consumer, that when you are buying things that are so on trend, are you going to want to be wearing them in a few months time? And it even makes sense financially to be buying things that aren't necessarily on trend that are still beautiful, but things that are going to last and that you're going to want to stick around your wardrobe for years to come. Mm. And I would say as a consumer, you know, if there is one trend that you really, really love that you're like, okay, yes, this is a trend, but I am going to really stick with this. And this feels really good to me. Like something I'm thinking about is that Remember there were those initial necklaces and you're actually wearing one right now, which is like pretty funny. But about two or three years ago, I would say that they like came in in a really big way. And rather than just buying some cheapy, crappy one that I would just throw out, I asked Elliot to invest in one for my birthday. And that's a piece that even though initial necklaces aren't the hottest thing right now, I still wear it at least a couple of times a week. And I feel like I will continue to throughout my life because it's really good quality. So if there is one trend, that's the way maybe that you could look at it rather than just buy now, throw out later. For sure. And it won't turn your finger green either. You know, when you have like cheapy rings and jewelry and they're like, make you go green. Yeah. I have a lot that make me go green. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I regret to inform you. So yeah, our approach to the collection was the first one. So just looking at it and being like, okay, what can we produce here and what can we show to our customers that they're going to love right now, but that they're also going to continue to love, continue to wear, continue to have. And that is something that's been really important and totally pivotal. So you'll notice this season that while a normal spring summer collection maybe had 25 pieces and was full of fun trims and jewels and metallics, this season is just eight styles. And you can continue to wear them throughout summer, but then you can continue to wear them throughout your life. The next step that we identified was to assess the materials that we were using and just finding alternatives to that. So an example of this is we were using Lycra. We were using 100% new material and now we have changed just to recycled Lycra. The look and feel and quality of the material is super, super similar, but rather than using brand new materials, they use 88% old recycled materials. So that's just a really easy swap. So what are you doing? What are you using in your products? That's just like an easy swap that you can identify like this. Just swap out one baddie for one goodie. Sustainable, tick. So I have a question about that. How did you actually go about sourcing that material because we know that when you're starting out with a brand, it can be really hard to find the right kind of suppliers and people don't even know where to begin. How did you go about actually finding that material that we're using now? Well, we're lucky in that we have a really great relationship with our supplier. And so I actually said to them, I really want to look at recycled lycras. Can you go out and find some? And then we assessed quality and we assessed certification. But I do think that there are a few places that you can start And definitely looking at the brands that you like or are doing similar things, but in a sustainable place. So 
for example, somewhere I went to look was I know that Nimble talked to us about the fact that they used recycled material for their activewear. I thought it might be similar to the material we were looking for. So I went on their website and I started trying to find their supplier. A lot of these brands that are using recycled or innovative materials, they'll share that information with you on their website because now that we're in the biz of sustainability, we all just want to share and care. We're no longer competitors, we're collaborators. So that's a really good place to start. And then also through my learning. So I did this sustainable fashion course with London College of Fashion. It was completely free. We can share that in the show notes. But In that they shared resources with me about new companies and new innovators in the space. And I found a lot of the materials we're looking at using in 2021 through there. So a lot of Googling, a lot of time, but dedication and know that you can do it and you'll find it. Awesome. The next one is packaging. There are so many little nasties hiding in packaging that people don't really talk about or don't really acknowledge. We've spoken openly about how when we first started ordering our shoes, they were arriving from China in poly bags, which is an individual plastic bag for each pair that we ordered. Even getting rid of that in your production makes a ginormous difference. If you're buying a thousand products, that's a thousand poly bags that you're skipping. So at the moment, I'm actually helping one of my friends who has a leather footwear label because we don't judge. We just want everyone to be sustainable. And she's looking at alternatives for the bags that her shoes come in. And so things like cornstarch, is really cool at the moment because you can actually just put it in water and it disintegrates into nothing. So there's so many innovative things going on in the packaging space. Even making sure that if you're using paper that can be recycled, is it also made from recycled paper? Because that's a question that we asked and now we are using packaging made from recycled paper as well. Yeah, I think that's so important. Ask the question, always ask questions, always be pushing the boundaries, always be thinking about how could this be better? How could this be more sustainable? Even if the first person you ask is like, nah, this is all we can do. Keep pushing those boundaries, keep asking those questions because we have to change the way that we're doing things. And you listening, we know you have the power to create something brilliant and you have the power to create real change. So for us, we're actually getting rid of our satchel altogether. We'd looked at all these different options for satchels, but then we realized that shoes already come in boxes. Why do they need to come in this additional protective layer? So we've got this fancy box that is going to come as your satchel, but also it has your shoes inside of it. It's genius. Yeah. So just thinking outside the box because ah, outside the box. You're all over these puns today. (laughs) I am. I don't know what happened to me. Yeah, just thinking outside the box is a really great place to start. As Steph said, don't do something because that's the way it's always been done. You know, that's our least favorite reason to do something. Mm -hmm. Sure is. So materials and packaging is a really great place to start and definitely requires a lot of elbow grease, but you have the capabilities to do it. And then from there, you can start to zoom out and you can look at where else your business is impacting the environment. So for us, that looks like minimizing our carbon footprint, 
not only are 90% of our suppliers in one region that is smaller than Darwin. How cool. Googled that the other day. Love that. Can you just elaborate in case people haven't heard why being all in one region is good for carbon? Sure. Yeah. So I hadn't actually thought about this that much until I started researching sustainability, but even the idea that your raw materials and your materials that make up your product, they often have to travel really far ways in order to get to your factory. For example, right now, I'm looking at using a cactus leather for next season, but the only one I can find that's certified is in Mexico. But then it would have to travel all the way from Mexico to China in order to get to our factory which is emitting a lot of carbon. So now I'm trying to find a way around that so that it wouldn't have to travel, that it would rather be made close to our factory. Less travel equals better for everyone. Just think about it like that. It's also cheaper for your company. So yay. Win, win, wins all round. And then you mentioned also carbon offsetting, which in case people haven't heard about, if you do have any excess carbon that you are emitting, you can offset it by doing something like, paying somebody to plant trees that will emit more oxygen that will offset the carbon that you're producing. So obviously you want to lower your carbon as much as possible, but then carbon offsetting can be good for any carbon that you are emitting. Yeah, it's just like that box that you might tick when you're buying an airline ticket. Remember back in the olden days when we used to buy airline tickets? <laughs> it's like that, but the cost is fully absorbed by us. So we're not passing that one on to customers like some other businesses do. So one other thing is thinking about a product at the end of its life and what actually happens to it when no one wants it anymore, when it has been worn out or worn through, what are you going to do with it? So we have partnered with this amazing company called Manrags who are recycling our shoes for us and they're actually trying to make our dream yoga mat work. We do have a dream of recycling tubes into yoga mats and they're really on board. So that's cool too. But there's so much you could do in the space. And I guess it's just about taking a deep breath and diving right in and not letting the magnitude of it all deter you from actually getting started. Yep, you can do it. So while Jess has been busy working on all that design and development, I have been thinking about how we're going to message to people that this is what we're doing, that we are going in the sustainable direction. And I think a big problem that we've often had in our messaging is that we care about so many things. And I know so many people listening also care about so many things and you want to include so many good things in your business. So for us, we're obviously vegan. We also really care about female empowerment. And we've had this two grant where we give money to other women who want to start their own businesses. And now there's this environmental aspect. There's also a really big inclusivity aspect that we really care about. And I think that we want to tell everybody about all of this stuff, but it's really important to get into the mind of your customer and think about how will they feel when they are seeing all this stuff? Will they feel bombarded with information if you're trying to tell them everything at once? So it's really important to try and distill your messaging down into key things that you tell your customers so it's really simple and so that they can really understand what you are doing for the environment, what you are doing as a business, how you are leading with your values. So for me, being in tubes for 
four and a half years now, I actually found it really hard to get into the mindset of our customer because I know so much about tubes that I can't really be in the mind of somebody approaching this in a fresh way. So I actually came up with this, I think, kind of genius idea. I agree. Thank you. And I created a totally new brand. I called it Swerb. I don't know why. Anyone out there, feel free to go and take this and create Swerb. But I just felt like Swerb to me, S-W-U-R-B, felt like tubes, but I didn't know it. You know, like it had the same essence of tubes, but Swerb doesn't mean anything to me. So I did this little role play with myself where I envisage this new brand. I envisage myself scrolling through Instagram and coming across this brand called Swerb. And what is it? What does it look like? So I drew the Instagram post. I'm a terrible drawer, so don't let that hold you back. I got all this pen and paper, real old school, if you remember what that is. And (laughs) I drew, okay, what does this Instagram post look like that I come across? What does it say on it that makes me click on it? That makes me go, oh, what is Swerb? So... I drew this photo of a shoe, terrible photo. When I showed the team, they laughed. But, you know, it just had these key messages. I was like, what would really matter to me? We don't need to say on it, inclusive, all these different things, you know, female empowerment. So once I clicked through to Swerve in my mind, what does the website look like? So I literally started drawing. Important that I was offline at this time. You know, you just need time totally with everything else shut out, not going on and Googling what are other brands doing at this point, just really looking at my own thing. And so I started drawing website pages and what would Swerve say on it on the front page? What tabs would I want to see? What info would I want to see when I clicked into these tabs? And I found that while as tubes, I wanted to give them all the information, as the customer, I only wanted really high level key information, quite simplified. And I started to break it down into these four levels of customers where the first customer that's looking doesn't even care about the values. The second customer wants to know that we have values. The third customer wants to click through to the values and read about them. And the fourth level of customer wants to know absolutely everything about it. And they want to know every little piece of everything that we're doing. And we love that fourth level of customer because they really, really care. They care about the environment. They care about their values. But in reality, most of our customers probably sit at that second or third layer. So we really need to be catering to them and not just bombarding with all that information. I think something else that you've done also that's really clever is you've looked at what needs to be messaged through words and what could be messaged elsewhere. So something like inclusivity, for example, it doesn't need to be messaged through words because it can be messaged through imagery. So when you come to our website, you don't see the words inclusivity, but you look at the imagery and your brain just ticks, oh, this brand is inclusive or Maybe hopefully it doesn't tick because hopefully that's what we expect of all brands. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely something that I started to realize. Same thing with female empowerment and being a female-led business. Us being in videos on our Instagram page and on the website is an awesome way to message that without having to say it in words. And you're right. I think what I came to realize is 
less is more with words. And I came up with this tagline for the brand because when I was thinking about Swerb, I was like, how would Swerb tell me in one little line what they care about? And I came up with this tagline that is a kind of footwear brand, kind of spelled K-I-N-D-A, because I also wanted to have that like playful, fun brand ethos that Tubes always has, but say that we care about shit. And so a kind of footwear brand is us telling you all of that in one little line. Oh my God. You're so good at this stuff. (laughs) People should really hire you to do this. The reason I love Kinda as well is because we are a kind of footwear brand in like how we're not going to offer you the trends and try and convince you that you need to buy this pair of shoes for three months. We're also not going to do a bunch of other bad shit that we feel like fashion brands do. We don't want to subscribe to what a normal fashion brand is. We actually want to present you with something kind of different. And something a little bit kinder. Exactly. It just works. So I think through that, you can see that in the messaging, we really went for positive and empowering rather than doom and gloom. And I think there's so much doom and gloom out there right now. It's like, there's this much plastic in the ocean. This is happening to the earth. And it's really important to be educated with all of that. But I think as a brand, what we want to do is show people that through making these kinder choices, they can really be making a difference. And I think that I said this on an episode recently, and someone actually ended up quoting me on it, (laughs) that we can empower people to make changes through inspiring them, not through fear. Yes, absolutely. I love that. When were you ever presented with something that made you really fearful and it actually inspired you to change? Exactly. I can't remember ever. You just get bogged down by the fear. My favorite meditation teacher, Tara Brock, talks about love in action. And it's all about meditating and being calm and tuning into your heart and feeling that love and compassion and feeling compelled to take action from that loving place rather than a fearful place. And when we do that, I think that's when magic happens and when we actually create incredible change. Agreed. Yes, Tara. Yes, Tara. You're our gal. Come on the podcast. (laughs) Please. Ooh, should we try? (laughs) Ooh, I think we should. So we have been rebuilding our website in-house ourselves. Claire, our operations coordinator, has been working on that, doing a stellar job and working with me on bringing this vision to life. She actually just downloaded this Shopify theme called Flex, which our amazing mentor Kath told us about. So if you are looking for a Shopify theme you can customize yourself, definitely recommend it. And so make sure you go and check out our website, see what we've created, because I feel like the visuals of it can speak far louder about what we've done than the words that I could tell you about it. Yes, amazing. So if you've listened to this episode and you've thought about pivoting towards sustainability or bringing sustainable decisions into your life in some way, but you don't know where to start, I completely hear you. But We are here to tell you that from the outside looking in, it feels like there are a bunch of secrets around sustainability and it feels like other people have the answers and you don't and therefore other people are more equipped to deal with it than you are. But I can tell you because I used to have this opinion that 
It is not true. You do not need to spend thousands of dollars hiring a sustainability consultant to try to help you. All you need to do is commit to the work and just begin. Just start researching. Start to educate yourself. That is the perfect, perfect place to begin. I think we've said this so many times that we always thought someone was just going to hand us the lock and key and be like, here you go, guys. Welcome into this sustainable universe where all of the answers are handed to you. They're not. And it's really hard. But the best part about it is that There's no one path. So you actually get to create your path and it's fun and it's exciting. And if you're feeling at all a little bit like you've got that voice in your head that Steph and I talked about at the beginning where sustainability has been scratching at you from somewhere inside of you going, hello, I'm here. Can you incorporate me in some way, whether it be your daily choices or your business, then just open up and actually commit to the work because it's fun. I can tell you it is fun. Like it's making me love work. It's making me excited about work. It's making me proud of my work. So come on over. Also, if you have any questions or you want any guidance, feel free to just email us and ask. We've received a couple of questions. So more than happy to share what we know or point you in the right direction of some resources that have really helped us. Mm, And it feels good. It makes you feel really, really good about what you are doing. And that's something I think we could all use a little more of in 2020. So definitely would love you to go and check out the collection at tubes.com. Check out all of these things we have been talking about. We are going to jump into some real quick, quick fires. Jess, what is the best and easiest sustainable swap you have done in your own life? Definitely that I've started to compost. So the council where I live actually offers composting in the red bin collection. So I just got a red bin from my council. I think it costs like 20 bucks or something. And now I compost and I can't even tell you my rubbish has minimized by, I'd say we're on about 15% rubbish than what we were before. It's amazing. Mm. What about you? That's so good. I would say I've started to shop at bulk food stores. So I shop at Source Bulk Foods where I can just refill what I need into jars. I feel so good about having way less packaging. And I've even started buying my body wash shampoo and conditioner from there. So instead of going and buying a new bottle, I just go and refill the bottle that I have. So good. What is the best documentary you've seen lately? Ooh, I feel like there are so many good ones going around. I feel like this one's been recommended to me so many times and I've only watched half of it right now, but I have to recommend it is My Octopus Teacher. It's basically about a guy who made friends with an octopus. It's crazy and so, so cool. Oh my God, fun. That sounds amazing. Mine is The Social Dilemma. Most people have watched it, but I think for those of you who haven't, you need to watch it. I think every single person needs to watch it. I don't care what age you are. I don't care what you're interested in. I don't care if you love social media, you hate social media. It's such an important watch. Mm, Really, really good. Who is your favorite celebrity couple? Abby Wambach and Glennon Doyle. They are just... Like, I don't want to say couple goals. I feel like that's lame, but they just are. They're so present with each other and they have so much fun. They laugh so much. I love laughing and I feel like I don't laugh that much in my relationship, although I have been trying to more lately. But 
they're what my dreams are made of. Mm. Like if I could be in a couple, that's the couple I want to be in. Yeah, total couple goals. I'm going to say Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell because I also feel like they have so much fun together and they often have games nights and I've seen them doing these giveaways where they invite people to do games nights if you give money to charity and I'm like, yes, I want to go to their games night. Oh, yeah, they're amazing. I love them. And lastly, what is your go-to dinner to make at home? Mm, My go-to dinner at the moment is probably mushroom burgers and I make them with oven fries, which are actually healthy because you're just cutting up potato and putting them in the oven and it's delicious and nutritious and I love it. Mm, Yum, delicious. Mine I don't know if it's my go-to, but I'm feeling pulled to share it. So I'm just going to, but there's this cookbook community. I don't know who it's by, but they also have another one that I have called Neighborhood. And my friend Farah actually recommended community to me. And the recipes in there are relatively easy, but they're all very like farm to table style, like roast veggies Mm. with grains. It's all so delicious. And I think that I'm actually having so much fun spending time cooking. Usually my go-to dinner might be like a 15-minute stir fry, but at the moment I'm just enjoying choosing a meal from this book and then spending like an hour cooking at nighttime and it's really fun and so delicious. Mm, So good. That sounds amazing. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you are as excited as we are about Tubes' new sustainable direction. If you are, we would just love to ask you to share this episode with a friend or leave us a little review in your podcast app. And do make sure you come and hang out with us in all our places, Instagram at How to Live the Podcast and Facebook, our group is How to Live the Podcast. If you are, in fact, still on social media after you watch The Social Dilemma and we don't blame you if you're not. So next week, our podcast airing day actually falls on Cup Day, which is Melbourne's largest horse racing event of the year, maybe even Australia's largest horse racing event of the year. So we're going to be chatting about Cup Day, why we are saying nup to the cup and the feelings that we have about the day. If you're looking for something to do this Friday, I'd say go head to tubes.com and check out the new collection. Have fun with that. Have a fun week and we'll see you next week. Bye.